The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. This is the College Football Betting Preview Part 1. I'm Stucky, and joining me, as always, is Colin Wilson. These college football previews, they're in flux, and it's going to get weird, but at least we're here. We're going to talk college football, so it does feel good to be back, even though we are in flux. What's going on, Colin? There's a range of excitement when you and I start college football podcasts, which we've been doing, I think this is our fourth year going on now. There's this range of, you know, everything from exciting and, and the days drag on because I can't wait for week zero. And that's what I have right now, except we may not have a season. So I'm on the brink of complete excitement and the brink of complete depression. And I don't know, it's a bit of fall. Hopefully we get some games. It could get pushed off to the spring. Every day is just brand new news. By the way, congrats on your Morikawa future. I was rooting for a lot. A lot of people seem to have Morikawa. And it's been one of the good things about quarantine is that I've gotten into like, you know, appreciate golf more. We have a lot of people on the Action app that specialize in specific sports and they do a really good job, you know, such as NASCAR, UFC, Zerillo has been killing UFC. So, you know, appreciating like NASCAR. I've watched like NASCAR, UFC. But on the flip side, look, there's all of my, you know, my breadwinner sports which, you know, tennis, baseball. I mean, I don't even know if I have an edge anymore in baseball, but I bet it and cap it all summer long. Tennis, I am watching tennis all day, betting tennis all summer. So I haven't had baseball and tennis. So I've never been more prepared for college football and NFL. I mean, all this free time that I normally would be, you know, utilizing for baseball, for tennis, I've used for college football prep. And I've never been more prepared in my life. And I'm a huge believer in like, you, know, you obviously have to have a, a model in your number, but there's also a big subjective edge, right? And and that's understanding, you know, returning production, certain schemes, and which would be more important if we started the season this year with shortened springs and shortened summers. So I, I have just been, I am so prepared. And I don't even know if it's going to pay off because it looks like we're going to go to conference only seasons. If anything, we're going to talk to Brett McMurphy about that. But regardless of what happens, we're going to, uh, we're going to be prepared. How are you on the uh, preparation scale? You know, preparation scale, I've said this, the numbers were done in March. The win totals were done in March. Uh, the second order win totals has been known. And then once we had the huge layoff with MLB and there was no more work to put into that, I kind of morphed into teaching myself how to do our studio again so that we could have a better polished product and some of our write-ups with me putting out, you know, some some really great pictures for some advanced statistics. And then in the meantime, it's a testament to what we have at the Action Network that somebody like me has been able to read 
Jason Sobel and listen to Pete Jennings and read Joshua Perry and, and all of our guys at the Action Network that do golf, I've learned from them for two years. And now I'm actually able to tread water and make some money on golf because of how great the team is at Action Network. So it's been really nice kind of doing that. And I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm ready to go with college football. Everything's done. I've got my own opinions. I've, I've read as much as I can. I've gone as deep as I can on these rosters. I'm ready to lay some big time bets and have the season go. But what's our schedule going to be? Yeah, that's going to be the key, the schedule. I mean, I built my, like a new set of rankings for teams, like COVID rankings. So it's, I have, you know, you have your power ratings, but these are just rating the teams based on like three or four factors, returning production, coaching changes, how much they got in in the spring or summer, scheme changes and coordinators. So like trying to implement, you know, quarterback changes, returning production, if you're changing defenses, right, with a coaching change, all these things in a shortened spring and potentially, you know, a shortened summer and and just preparation overall is going to show out on the field. And these teams with, you know, that have steady coaching staffs and schemes and quarterback and a lot of players coming back, they're at such a big advantage in this environment. Now, if we do push it back and start in October, November or the spring, then a lot of that advantage might go away. So now it's all in flux, but the prep is there. I'm excited to share it all. We're going to have to wait to see what happens with the season for win totals, right? That, that's just not a market right now. I don't even know if you could find any win totals up right now, mm-hmm. um, but it's not worth betting. You're, it's more than likely just going to get voided. But we do think the situation at hand does offer some value in the overall national championship playoff futures market. We're going to get to that. But before we do, let's find out what the hell is going on with college football. What, let's get an update. There's a lot going on. Uh, let's get an update of what has happened, what's going to happen. So for that, we're bringing in an old friend of the pod, Brett McMurphy, who um, has been on many times before, and he's following this stuff really closely. Um, if you don't follow him on Twitter, he's providing great updates and will continue to do so. So let's uh, let's get him on the horn. Give a, a quick caveat. We're recording this on Sunday night. Everything is changing. The situation's so fluid. So make sure that you you know stay up with Brett on on Twitter because things can change. This could be, you know, you could be listening to this Thursday, July 16th, 17th, and things could be different. So we're just going to give you the lay of the land as of tonight. We already celebrated Colin's golf betting win. <laughs> I saw that you were out on uh, the course for a charity event. How, how'd you shoot? I had, I had a natural birdie. So I think I ended my consecutive uh, whole streak without a birdie at over a thousand. So I was really pumped up. Played uh, Innisbrook uh, Copperhead, which has the uh, Senior Balspar Championship. I think that's the right name. Um, but it, yeah, it was fun. Uh, you know, get outside and then you know, down here in Florida, you get a, get a chance to do a lot of that. I should be a lot better since I live down here, but I'm not. So uh, it, it was fun times there. Yeah, I think I, I, if I get a true birdie, um, I would be celebrating just like you. So let's let's move on to some college football talk. Let's just start very high level. Broadly speaking, what so what has happened so far as far as, you know, just to update everyone, conferences that have announced changes, and then just what do you anticipate happening across the board? Are we going conference only as of now everywhere? So just want to give a quick update. This past week, the Big Ten and Pac-12 announced they were going to go conference only, still determining if they're going to play nine games like they have in past years, or maybe they go up to 10 conference games. They add an additional conference game. They're expected to delay the start of the season. I think what they want to do and the other Power Five leagues want to do 
is they want to create additional open days. I don't think anybody in the country will play a 12-game schedule this year. They want to create these open dates, these uh, you know consecutive open dates, uh, because when you see these outbreaks of COVID-positive tests, like Saturday, Maryland had to shut down voluntary workouts. Ohio State the week before that had to shut down voluntary workouts. Well, as you guys know, if that happens in season, you know, you're basically postponing games or canceling games. So they, they want to try to have multiple open dates so they can have makeup games if they want. Or if, if large amount of, of student athletes have to get quarantined for two weeks, you have the availability to do that. Um, it's certainly to provide some flexibility, which we've never had in college football before. Um, the, the excuse me, the SEC athletic directors are meeting Monday, tomorrow, face to face to kind of discuss what they're going to do. I'm not expecting them to announce anything tomorrow, but then again, you know, as I mentioned you guys earlier, uh, nobody expected the Big Ten to make a decision uh, this early either. So ultimately, I think by the end of July, by August 1st, I think the the Big 12, SEC, and ACC will then announce what they're going to do. And, you know, I reported last week the ACC likely is going to be headed to conference-only games. Um, and Notre Dame will be included in that. They could count towards conference standings. I don't know. That's a possibility. Or they would just give them enough games so they could have a schedule. There's a lot of things on the table. But certainly, I think the, those leagues will either go conference-only or maybe conference-only with a plus-one non-conference uh, game. Another thing real quickly, they these Power 5 leagues want to play exclusively Power 5 schedules this year, and it has nothing to do with competition, but more to do with the testing and safety measures taken by the Power 5 leagues. They feel like they've got the financial resources to test more often than the group of five schools in the non-Power 5 leagues. And so, if, for instance, a, a Power 5 league has safety guidelines from, say, 1 through 50, and now you're playing a team from a group of five conference and they're able to go 1 through 25, part of that reason is probably financially, then do you want to put your student athletes in that situation, you know, I don't, across the board? I don't think they want to do that. And so that's, you know, ultimately what I think is going to happen. We'll have some kind of a conference only or maybe conference only plus one for the ACC, Big 12, and SEC. And, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to try to write something later this week at it's, um, watchstadium.com about a possible scheduling alliance between the ACC, Big 12, and SEC, which literally would take two hours to explain, so I won't. But it would basically be all three leagues combining together almost as one conference and kind of being able to keep together some of their rivalries they've got going, most notably the four in-state rival games between the SEC and ACC, Florida, Florida State, Clemson, South Carolina, Kentucky, Louisville, and Georgia, Georgia Tech. You know, I would say there's probably not a very good chance that happens. But look, there's so many uncertainties this year. There's one certainty. This will be unlike any college football season we've seen in our lifetime. And so maybe this is a time to try something different. Think, think outside the box. Another reason I think something like that may, you know, have a somewhat slim chance again, but helps its chances. I think as far as is the TV revenue, I think there's more of an appetite for a SEC Big 12 game or an ACC um, SEC game or uh, Notre Dame versus the, the Big 12 or versus the SEC or whatever, compared with just strictly each conference playing conference only games. Yeah, I think you limit your audience if you're just Big Ten versus Big Ten or ACC versus ACC. And so maybe, you know, surprise, surprise, money is something that helped drive a possible uh, 
you know, alliance between these three conferences. Yeah, plus it makes sense that you would have, I mean, sometimes it make, would make, make more sense if you say you're Iowa to play Iowa State, you know, to add, keep that game instead of going to Jersey to play Rutgers. And, you know, so I, there's a lot to work out. Everyone just wants college football to happen in some capacity. If it does, everyone is going to be happy just because there's that this doubt out there. But the main question that I think most casual fans wanted to know is based on two things you said. You know, they want to delay the start of the season, but they also want to have more open weeks, right? So what does that mean as far as start date? So that there are some conference games I know in the ACC scheduled for the first week. Do you anticipate anyone playing college football the first week of September, or is this something that's, you know, 10-game season, we start mid-September? If you had a guess, what is the, the start of the schedule, when your, your timing there? Yeah, it's stuck. I think they, 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 and look, they want to start August 29th. They want to start September 5th. I just don't think when you see that the number of, of positive tests all across the country, specifically with, with some of these teams, that they think they're going to be ready to go by then. So, yeah, you, they want to start a little bit later. You're not playing a 12 game schedule, so that helps a little bit. And so they, they want to get, get in as many games as they can. Um, you know, there's some people that think, well, let's just move it to the spring. I understand that thinking, but the the people that are not for that feel like, you know, look, if we can start playing in the fall, let's start playing. And if we get in three games, if we get in five, if we get in eight, whatever we get in, that's better than not playing in the fall and waiting for the spring. And then the spring gets here and the situation's not any better. So then we just, we just, you know, pissed away playing in the fall to wait for the spring. And now we can't play in the spring. Everyone talks about how the virus, you know, will get worse in the winter months when it's colder. So move to the spring. Well, this thing broke out in March. That's the spring. So to answer your original question, Stucky, I think they would prefer to start on time. I don't think that's realistic. And I think they realize that. And so I, I would look at like the second or third week of September. Their hopes would be to get going then and obviously have a lot of flexibility. You know, I know you know, last week I reached out to all the uh, FBS athletic directors, 115 of the 130 responded. And this was before the big 10 announcement came out, by the way, and nearly 75% told me they thought the season would be delayed. So these are the folks that are know what's, what's going on there in daily conversations with the university president. So I don't see any way we start on time, more likely mid-September. So being in contact with most of the athletic directors, it, it brings up a good point because there's a problem with FBS football where there's not a governing commissioner above all of the bodies to say, this is the number of games we're going to play. And if you are coastal Carolina, South Carolina, East Carolina, you're going to play each other because of proximity. And here's the guidelines for testing. Once you show up, we don't have any of that in college football. And it's a real problem that we don't have a single commissioner to make these decisions. So Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner came out and said he has a very high concern for the season. Uh, and, you know, we, you know, the meetings are going to happen this week, but he feels, you know, it's likely that this could get pushed or get canceled. And I think the big question with me is there's going to be odds at some point, there's going to be odds come out for who's going to make the college football playoff. And the SEC plays an eight game <laughs> schedule. <laughs> yeah. I, this is going to be, I don't even know how we get to the playoff. It, it's a mystery to me, but one of the biggest, <laughs> one of the biggest questions to me is, the Big Ten plays a nine-conference schedule. SEC plays eight. And I know we're trying to populate Notre Dame here, but are the athletic directors going to be in lockstep saying it's just an eight-game season or it's just a nine-game season? Uh, is it conference plus one? Because if it's conference plus one, not everybody's going to match up, depending on what conference you're in. 
No, you're right. And, you know, the Big 12, they play 10 games. Is that a competitive advantage or disadvantage if you're playing 10 games in the Big Mm -hmm. 12 and you're only playing the eight in the SEC? But bottom line is, you know, Colin, I hope we get to the point where all three of us can talk again and we can sit here and and break down who got screwed with their schedule or who got the easiest road in their schedule. I'd love to have that conversation because that means we're going to have a playoff. But what will happen is the selection committee will have to evaluate these schools and teams based on the games that they've played. And I think the two things I think are, are certain. No one's going to play 12 games, and I think you're going to see different schools play different numbers of games because of cancellations, because of some maybe playing non-conference games, from some playing different number of conference games, all these factors. So when we get to the end of the year, yeah, the committee's going to have to decide, is a 8-1 and team better than a 7-0 and team? And then you're going to hear all the different breakdown on why, you know, a team with one loss should not get in over an undefeated team and, you know, yada, yada, yada. So it's going to be a cluster, but um, that's that's the decision they're going to have to make. And no, the, the, the ADs or, the, or the, the commissioners of each league are not going to go, hey, you, you guys, you need to play nine because we're going to play nine. Or you play 10 because we're going to play 10. Or you play eight because we're going to play eight. There was hope to do that that the Power Five leagues would make an announcement this coming week or the following week and try to come together, you know, all the Power Five leagues and say, hey, look, this is what we're hoping to do. This is what we're planning to do. But the Big Ten jumped the gun and they announced, you know, they were going conference only. And basically everyone in college football not affiliated with the Big Ten is scratching their head wondering, why in the world did you guys do this? There's no competitive advantage to do that. Uh, everyone wonders why the sense of urgency for the Big Ten to do that. Then, then the Pac-12 obviously followed suit after that. And so at this point, there's no way everybody's going to play the same number of games. I think the college football you know, playoff committee is going to have their hands full, especially, and I'm going to pivot to the G5 here, especially if a team like Central Florida blows a G5 schedule out by 50 every game. That's going to be... It yeah, won't matter. It, right. People think I hate the G5. But mm-hmm. it, it, it does not matter. They won't give them the strength of schedule. Uh, don't shoot the messenger. Well, I'll get, here's the one scenario before you get to the group of five, Kyle, because I wanted to ask this. <laughs> First of all, I don't know if this is even possible legally, contractually, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe everything's on the table this year because of how odd of a year it's going to be. And you're going to have, you know, if you have just pure conference-only schedules, would there be a world where you could potentially see an expanded playoff so an 18 playoff and in that case maybe they say hey we're taking the conference winners from all five power five we'll take the best group of five and two wild cards something like that is that is that even in the realm of possibilities i i mean that's a great question i think it's a possibility i think it's a very slim possibility because for that to happen two things need to happen one the presidents would have to be the university presidents would have to be okay with it because they're going to have to allow an additional round of playoffs whenever those may be. And then secondly, it would have to be worth so much more money for all of the schools, not just the schools that make the playoffs, but the entire 10 FBS conferences, specifically the five power five leagues that they could do it. And then part two of that part is that ESPN would have to be willing to go along with that. ESPN is not just going to say, Hey guys, here's a, you know, here's an extra hundred million or whatever the number is. Let's add another round of the playoffs unless financially they're going to make more money off of it. I know a lot of people have suggested what you're saying is literally how are you going to be able to compare the big 10 against the PAC 12 this year? You can't, 
There's no common opponents, zero. I mean, yeah, you can look, you can break down all your numbers and Colin will spit something out, but <laughs> there's no head to head. So you don't, it's just, this is what we think. We don't have anything to go by. So one, one solution to that, like you said, let's go to an 18 playoff. Again, I think at this late of, of a, a date, you know, going into the season to, to all of a sudden say, hey, we're going to go to 18s because of this. I'd love it. I just think there's too many obstacles for that to happen. But, you know, look, this is going to be an unprecedented year. Maybe maybe they decide to do that. But also there would be fear that if they go to eight this year, then they can't go back to four the following year. And that would probably be the thing that squashes the whole deal. Let's pivot to G5 real quick. I, you know, there's a number and a non-gambling related question the G5 schools looks like they're going to enter litig- <laughs> possibly enter litigation against right. respective P5 schools. I mean, Central Michigan had two Big Ten teams, App State and Bowling Green. There's rumblings coming out of there about the paydays that they were going to get. Is this going to turn into a legal mess? You know, it is. And here, I'll give you both sides of it. So I had talked to a bunch of folks at the non-Power 5 level, and they said, absolutely, litigation is possible. And a lot of it makes sense. If you're supposed to play a Pac-12 or a Big Ten team or possibly one of the other three Power Five leagues if they go conference only, and they cancel your game on uh, September 12th, okay? But then when they come out with their new conference schedule, now the Big Ten's playing a conference game on September 12th, the same date that they canceled the game, you know, against, we'll say, Bowling Green. So if you're Bowling Green, yeah, you have a, you would, I would think you would have a good case. They canceled the game. They said they couldn't play then, but now they're playing a different game on that day. Uh So that's what I think favors the group of five. When I talk to the power leagues, they're like, okay, look, we're we're canceling games as a conference. There's a thing called force majeure. If you want to look it up, it basically gets you out of the contract for these type of situations. So the, the power five schools are kind of banking on that. And also that, you know, hey, look, our entire conference canceled the games. We didn't cancel it. We couldn't play the game. Our conference above us canceled it out. They think that gets them off the hook. Even if it doesn't, what I'm hearing from the Power Five folks is, go ahead and sue us. If you win, you'll get your million or 1.5 million, whatever it is. And oh, by the way, no one's ever going to play you again from the Power Leagues because you filed a lawsuit to get that during this pandemic situation. So once again, the non-Power Five schools ultimately are going to be screwed but I think that's that's what would happen. The Mac is so dependent on the Big Ten. The the Sun Belt is so dependent oh, yeah. on on and on ACC and SEC. And and so I have to ask this question because this is the scary question. Plenty of schools, particularly Stanford, are eliminating multiple sports. And you know, there's a possibility that you know this could happen. I, I hate to ask this, but out of the 130 teams, is there a possibility of some of the FBS members folding on football, or maybe some of the FCS teams? Is there is there a possibility of these teams folding on football and not being a member anymore of the college football world? If if there is no football in fall or spring of the 2021 academic year, I think we'll lose some some group of five schools that will drop football. I think they'll either drop football or they will drop to the FCS level. You know, in the past few months, I've been doing a lot of stories talking to all the different athletic directors. And one quote that I got from a group of five AD way back in April, when this first started, seems like it was a hundred years ago, but it was only a few months ago. I said, what happens if we don't have foot, if there's no football in the fall, if there's no football in the spring. He goes, Brett, it's simple. If that happens, we're all bleeped. 
that's the reality of it. I mean, you that is the money maker for all of these athletic departments. You know, you lose all of that money and you've got to make cuts somewhere. And we were, as you mentioned, we're already seeing it now with a lot of group of five schools cutting non-revenue sports. Stanford cut 11 sports, the first power five school to cut sports. And guys, this is just based on not having an NCAA men's basketball tournament. This is based on the COVID financial implications so far. This does not even consider in an abbreviated football season, a season where maybe maximum of one-fourth of your fans would be able to come to the game. So your gate's down, your revenue's down, donations are down and all that. Or, God forbid, if there's no football at all. That doesn't even factor in all that stuff. If that happens, the words I've gotten from these ADs are doomsday, catastrophic. It'll make the Great Depression look like a cakewalk. So that's why they are trying everything they can to try to get a season in somehow, some way, and try to recoup some of this football revenue and TV revenue, because if they don't, it's going to get very ugly and for, for everybody. I mean, every Power 5 schools are going to get dinged to, certainly not as bad as the Group 5 schools, but there will be huge financial problems across the board for all of these universities. If Rice, Houston, and North Texas buck their respective conferences and decide they're going to play each other, does that make them money for off of TV? Because it certainly doesn't earn them money from going to travel to a Power Five and getting a payout. So, do they? Does a Group of Five have to play Power Five to keep their head above water, it, it, or will it pay enough just to play within G G Five? They need those games because, like like you guys mentioned, Bowling Bowling Green had two Big Ten games; they lose over two million dollars. USF is scheduled to play at Texas uh, if. Big 12 goes conference only, um, USF doesn't get its $1.9 million payday. So when all of these group of five schools are sitting there making out their budgets two or three years down the road, and they looked at 2020, they said, hey, you know, for Bowling Green, okay, well, we, we got $2 million coming in in 2020 when we go play these two games. And so they've got, they've probably already spent it. They probably already allocated it for salaries, for building new facilities for recruit, whatever it is, you know, it doesn't matter. And now they find out, wait, we're not getting that $2 million. It's, it's like you, if, you know, any of us, if we're sitting there planning out our budgets and you're like, Hey, I'm getting X amount, uh, you know, October 1st, because my employment or whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of spending cause you think you're, you got that money coming in and then you find out, Two weeks before, oops, sorry, guys, you're not getting that. Then you're like, oh, what am I going to do now? So that's the situation they're in. I mean, really not playing the Power Five and just playing the, the group of five playing amongst each other or playing regional matchups. At this point, they're just trying to save money. So, yeah, for um, for Rice, if, if it saves them money to play, um, you know, to play, play North Texas or um, play Houston out of the American as opposed to flying to – Miami to play FIU or FAU or, or whoever, then yeah, I'm sure they're going to try to do that. And I know the group five schools have said they're going to try to do more regional scheduling. Can they do it this quickly this year? I'm sure that's something they're trying to figure out. Yeah. Plus you don't have, they're not getting the big payday if they're not playing these power five schools. And then right. if they are, if they are playing their conference schedule and these smaller schools, we're assuming there's not gonna be any fans. So you're losing that revenue too, whatever it may be. You know, it's not as big as as the Power Five paydays, but it's another loss of a potential revenue stream. A question I have for you, um, I think Colin has some spring questions, and then um, we can get you out of here. But I appreciate, really appreciate your time. 
look, these power five teams don't want to play a group of five schools. They want to, you know, reduce the risk as much as possible. They want to play as few games as possible. Does that mean if we get through the season, do you think bowl games are dead? Or if we get through the season, we'll still have bowl games? <laughs> no, it, like you asked me a great question. I answer it. And then I have like 20 more questions for myself. So imagine what these guys are going through, right. trying to figure this all out. Um, they would definitely try to still play bowl games. Um, I know that early on there was some discussion you know, there has been ideas floated of moving the conference championship games back a week or two. Again, trying to, you know, play around the virus or whatever. Um, and there has been some talk, I don't know how serious it was, about moving bowl games into the month of January. So I'm sure whatever bowl games that can have a bowl game will have a bowl game. But then you get into the fact that, you know, I don't know what the numbers are now, but ESPN owns, it may be somewhere between like 8 to 15, I can't remember. But anyway, so those are just basically like, those are just TV programming. Those are fun. Those are going to air whether there's one person in the crowd or whether there's there's 50,000. Those will air no problem. But it's the, it's the non-ESPN, non-New Year's Six games that you have to worry about because those are the ones that make their money by the the both fan bases coming into town and spending money and they're run by the communities and all that stuff. If you can only get a fourth 25% capacity during the regular season, it's not all of a sudden going to balloon up to, Oh, you can have a hundred percent capacity for the bowl games. Plus those bowl games. Anyway, you've seen them on TV. They don't draw many fans anyway. So, you know, I don't know. Bulls ultimately will have to decide if they want to go forward. But then you get into the tricky part of, well, if you don't have a bowl game, then you're kind of breaking your contract with that conference. And so what happens then? And then also I know there, there's the fear that if a bowl game decides not to be played this year, that it may not come back. And that's a scary situation for some. Another thing which nothing officially has happened, and I've heard this is the way it, it's going, but believe me, they have more they have more fires to put out before they get to this. So if we end up with teams playing eight, nine, 10 games or whatever, the obvious question is, well, how about bowl eligibility? I've heard one possibility is we'll say the, uh, the ACC. So if the ACC, I think they have 11 bowl slots right now. In the past, they couldn't go to those games unless they were 500 or better. If we have limited number of games or you have games canceled, so teams obviously can't play their full 12 games, then it may simply be, look, the, the top 11 teams in the ACC, you're going to go to a bowl game. So if that 11th place team in the ACC is 3-7, and seven, then you could see a 3-7 and seven team going to a bowl game. I know that sounds crazy, but again, how do you choose a bowl team if you're comparing a 4-5 a and five team versus a 5-6 and six team? You know, there's no simple way to do it. There's certainly no head-to-heads or anything like that. So... Um, they're trying to figure that out, but again, that's that's way down the list. They just want to get the season. They hope to have to figure that out, you know, if the season can get going. Let's get a three and seven team in the Duke's Mayo Bowl, right, Stuck, to to replace the Belk. We need a couple three and seven teams. <laughs> dude, dude, and you'll and we'll all three watch it too. Oh, and band, oh, and gamble, and and tweet it against the <laughs> articles and analysis. Um, yeah. So I think this is really a question I have to put on the table. I know the, I think I know the answer to this question, but if the games are all moved to the spring, do you expect any players that have that are you know could potentially go in the first three rounds of the NFL draft? Do you expect them to return to the college field at all? And I'm thinking Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, Justin Fields, and a host of seniors that play defense that you know Mika Parsons. It doesn't matter. The, the, the list is endless of guys that may decide not to yeah. play. 
No, I, I, I agree. I would ask you guys how, how deep of a draft, I mean, how deep, how many rounds do we have to go before guys will play? I mean, if, if you're projected to be top three, top four, top five rounds, does anybody, does anybody play in that situation? This is like, you know, the guys that sit out the bowl games. Now we're asking them to play nine or 10 bowl games before the draft. I mean, do you think when the schedule comes out, I mean, no, it's Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Chuba Hubbard, you know, et cetera, et cetera. No, they're not going to play. There's no way. I mean, they're sitting there and the schedule comes out and they're like, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence goes, oh, wow, Clemson's playing at NC State the same night as the NFL draft. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to play this year. I mean, I don't blame the guys. It's unfortunate, but look, guys, to, to, if they can't play in the fall, a lot of people do want to play in the spring because, again, the alternative is play in the spring and try to recoup some of the revenue, whether it's a third, a half, whatever, or punt the whole season. And if you punt the whole season, as we talked about earlier, uh, you know, the financial implications would be devastating to so many schools. But, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be, oh, my God, there's, yeah, there's going to be a ton of people that, that won't play if we play in the spring. And, and yeah, the NFL is not going to move the draft to help out college football. Don't even, don't even worry about that. That that's a fact. Yeah. And your your Twitter will be on twenty four hours a day because you have to imagine if some FBS group of five schools don't play and there's a mass <laughs> there's a mass exodus of players from the Power Five to the NFL draft, the transfer portal is going to be crazy. The transfer portal would, uh, would oh yeah on fire the wild wild west if this happens in the spring. Well, hey, I got a question. I want to ask you guys real quick. So I've been wondering this. I haven't seen anybody report it. So if we play in the fall, but the crowds are limited to, say, 25% capacity, how does that impact the point spread? Do you make the teams that usually have 900,000, do you lower their numbers, or does that, does that not impact them at all? Because in theory, wouldn't that lessen their home field advantage? We're going to get into yeah. this a lot on the, the NFL podcast, by the way, if you listen to this, Chris Raybon and I do... The NFL podcast, um, we'll have our preview out the day after you're listening to this. You know, so NFL, generally, the home field advantage is two. I mean, it's been trending down towards like two and a half points, right? And historically, everyone says it's three points. And it's a little different for each team, like a Kansas City, a Seattle, a Baltimore. You know, these teams that are much louder with, you know, outdoors. And, you know, there's obviously weather components as well. But it's been trending down towards two and a half. Teams are getting smarter about travel. The refs are becoming more unbiased because of the NFL and like, you know, you have replay, obviously, uh, you know, you have these, the NFLs are, are trying to, you know, hold their, the refs more accountable. And you're starting, you see a little bit of that in college, but yeah, there's a couple things in play. And, and I think generally the NFL point spread, I have it at around one and a half to 1.75 for this year. Now it'll depend on certain situations. It'll change, but you're, you're really trying to estimate how much does the, and there's no way to know it. There's no comparables, right? It's, we're trying right. to say the committee having a, a tough time. This is the, the kind of the secret, but I, you know, I think that there's part of it is it's harder to run the ball historically for the road team because you don't, you don't hear the snap count, right? You're not getting off the, the ball as, as, as much as you would, if you're not hearing it, there's also ref bias. There's still ref biases exist in the NFL or college. So the louder the crowd, the more influence they're going to have over the refs. Um, so there's a couple things in play. Um, they can also influence the ref. Loud crowds can also influence coaches into being more aggressive and making more plus EV decisions, I think, in certain instances. But, yeah, I mean, that's one of the biggest questions. It's definitely going to lower home field without fans. But just look at Penn State. Ohio State goes to Penn State. The difference between – and this could impact the college football playoff. The difference between a, a whiteout 
in Happy Valley, uh, you know, on a Saturday night against Ohio State versus an empty Beaver Stadium is significant, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a the difference just mentally and just what it would look like, and um, and that could impact the whole season. So yeah, there, it's definitely going to be lowered without fans. How much? That's something everyone's trying to figure out. Uh, I can tell you for NFL, I pro- I've lowered it about a point. Um, but then it's going to come down to how, how complicated is travel, right? You could argue that with all these, with COVID restrictions and testing, and it's going right. to be even harder to travel. So you can make a case maybe it's not as drastic um, because you have to account for that as well. But, yeah, it's one of the million-dollar questions of the offseason. Do, do you have any input there, Colin? Yeah, I know my home field advantage is different than everybody else in the world. I know it's different than what ESPN puts out, what Phil Steele puts out. And generally what I do is I take two-and-a-half points. You're granted two-and-a-half points. But then I look at what you've done the past 10 years and the past three years against the spread at home. And that tells me whether Vegas has been able to properly peg you at home for how strong that you are. If you're constantly covering the number at home, then you should have a high home field advantage. If you're constantly underachieving at home, then Vegas is overestimating what your advantage actually is uh, in your own territory. So I think for me, the derivative is you're against the spread number for the last 10 to three year sample size against two and a half. So from a mathematical perspective to nerd out on everybody, I think that two and a half has got to come down to (laughs) one and a half or it's got to come down to one. And then you're going to be a derivative off of that because home field advantage just isn't going to be that much anymore. And how do I know this? Brett's asking about 25% capacity in a, in, a, in a college football stadium. I've just seen two years of Chad Morris. We didn't even have 25% capacity in Donald W. Reynolds <laughs> Razorback Stadium. So I can tell you right now, it doesn't count as much. Pittman's coming, baby. Pittman. Well, yeah, I mean, Stucky makes a great point. You know, the whiteout of Penn State, a, a night, Saturday night game at, at LSU. I mean, you know, I, again, obviously, that's, a lot of that's already built into the number. Mm-hmm. But you just wonder, you know, are we going to see more road teams um, if we do have a season? Road teams maybe enjoy a little bit more success, maybe even just straight up than just against the number because there is not going to be any intimidating stadiums. I, there won't be. If 25% of any stadium, is, you're going to be like, okay, great. This is just like practice. Let's play. Now, they may have better players, but it won't be the crowd that determines the game. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a great question and one that's being asked across all betting circles. Uh, before we let you go, we really appreciate your time. It's been great catching up with you. Um, and hopefully, like we said, we'll be able to catch up again later in the summer into the fall to act, to talk actual college football. That is the goal. But I'll ask the elite, I'll end with this. What is the percentage chance, just in your opinion, that we don't have any college football at all this year? Nothing happens, doomsday scenario. Uh, back in April, I thought we wouldn't have a season. I got more optimistic in the May and the June. Now I'm a little bit less optimistic. I will say there's a 70% chance we don't have college football. And I'll base base it on this. This is not a simple analogy, but this is not what I think. This is what I think the people who make the decisions think. The university presidents are not risk takers. Okay. So I just can't wrap my head around it that the university presidents can say it's not safe to bring back our entire student body to take on campus courses, but it is safe to play college football. So we're going to go ahead and play college football. Either both should be safe or both should not be safe. And I think because of that contradiction that ultimately they'd rather be safe than sorry. And we talked about litigation earlier. You know, that's one of the big fears for college presidents. And if 
there's a huge outbreak on their campus and, you know, some really bad things happen, they potentially open themselves up to a lot of things. They're kind of balancing off off of that and how much money they're going to lose if they don't play. So I'd say right now that probably 70% chance we don't have a season. And I pray I'm wrong. That could change in 10 minutes after I hang up with you guys. But right now, that's where I'm at. Someone somewhere was pacing listening to this podcast and just punched a hole after that delayed response of 70% punched a hole in their wall. <laughs> if you wanted one action, actionable bet out of this podcast, there are books out there listing it minus 120 both ways that we do or don't. So if Brett McMurphy's got it at 70%, no, you got yourself an actionable bet coming. Look, I'm going to try to be optimistic, and, and uh, but this is why we wanted you on. You're the one with the most insight. So that's the number that we kind of wanted to get. And uh, we appreciate all of your insight. And uh, thanks again for joining us. We'll catch up, hopefully, with you again uh, later on in the season. Stay well, stay safe, and uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. Yeah, I'd love to come back on, and you guys can replay that and say, dude, you were flat out wrong. And I'll say, yep, you're right, I was wrong. I would love for that to happen. Uh, yep, you and me both, brother. All right, thanks again, Brett. Cheers. Yes, anytime. So, yeah, that's not the number that we wanted to hear. Anyone wanted the air, but look, it's he has as much in, intel into this as anybody. And look, if, uh, a D1 assistant coach DM'd me this weekend, and he quote tweeted like my tweet that said, "College basketball conference only season starting in early 2021 might now might now be our best hope." And he quote tweeted and said, "Yep." And then I just had like a crying emoji, and then he said, "Would put." College basketball non-conference in full at about 10%. We put college basketball non-conference at as a random assortment of games and others canceled at about 33%. We put college basketball conference play only at about 65%. That was his opinion last week. Now, college basketball all depends on college football. This is a dominoes, right? Like we're not, if we don't have college football, unless there's like a vaccine, but I, I can't see college basketball. There's a slippery slope here. So we'll, we'll keep you updated. Make sure, by the way, quick plug, rate, subscribe, unsubscribe, leave a review, five-star review. You're going to be in the running for a prize. Once, some of you that did it last year, we had to end the podcast, College Best Wanted. You're going to be in the running as well. We're going to have some other cool promos coming as well on the podcast, this podcast, the NFL podcast that I'll be doing with Raybon. We have our fantasy flex, our golf. We're going to be busy regardless this entire summer and fall. And then make sure you go get the action app. UFC and tennis now on the action app. I'm excited for tennis to eventually come back in September. Colin thoughts on the 70% number. And listen, there's already a, a level of depression. Like if it, it, for me, I, I've never known a life without college football on Saturdays. I was born in Arkansas. I grew up in Arkansas. Everything revolved around Saturday, even not in the fall. All we talked about was what was going to happen in the fall. If I, you know, emotionally got to get over the fact that there's no games, but if we, I think my biggest fear, all right, now I'm, I'm past the losing games. I, I, I've accepted this is going to happen. My biggest, my biggest fear of what we talked about I'm to Brett, to <laughs> what, what we talked about to Brett is I don't want to lose any of our teams in the FBS right now. If we have to lose UMass or the Yukons and, you know, we are the Eastern Michigans of the world and I have to start treating army like they're a body, fe- you know, bottom feeder. That's just not going to work for me. I don't want to lose anybody in the family of FBS. Uh, UMass is part of our family. Agree. I, I know. And it's it's like a child that we have to monitor every day during the fall. And if we lose one of our FBS members, it's going to be it's going to be crushing. So we're going to have like we do every summer. We're going to have, you know, a Big 12 preview, an SEC preview, an ACC preview, um, you know, a group of five, Pac-12. 
Now, the timing of those is still in flux. And, it, you know, we, we want to get a schedule first. And then I assume we're going to get revised win totals. And, you know, we'll walk you through everything. Everything's still in flux. But and we don't advise betting any win totals right now. Right. There's just nothing. I don't think you can. I don't I, don't, I wouldn't even look. But there are some national title shots, you know, that I think that we can talk about today. We won't go too deep into into the conferences, but we can we can end with this. Just some some general thoughts on the national title picture. I'll start. I'll start with this. 17 of the first 24 college football playoff slots have gone to four teams. That's it. Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Ohio State. That's it. 17 of the 24. You know, then you have some other one and donors. You obviously had LSU last year. Pac-12, I don't think, has had a team in five years. So obviously you start with those teams. Now, I think Alabama is back and is angry. Their defense should be a lot better. They had a lot of injuries last year. There are some questions at quarterback when Mac Jones is more seasoned. They also have a stud freshman in there. Saban is the guy that you want leading the ship in with all this turmoil. And they actually have some coordinator consistency. Right? They, didn't, they didn't turn over coordinators like they have been doing for the last four or five years. But I think Bama's the class of the SEC this year. LSU has coaching changes. They lost a ton. Obviously, you got to replace Burrow. You know, Auburn will be in the discussion. Georgia's interesting because that defense is loaded. But it's a new offense, right? It's a brand new offense. Maybe that's – you can't get any worse than their offense looked last year. You know, there's a lot of questions on will they actually be allowed to open it up. I don't know. But I think it, I think it's safe to assume Alabama, Clemson will get there. And then the, the interesting questions to me, is it Penn State or Ohio State? And that game is huge for Penn State. Now, they don't have to go to Vot Tech at home. But without fans, I don't know. They generally play Ohio State very close. Ohio State's obviously loaded, but Penn State's intriguing to me at, at a 50 to 1 price because if they win, if they don't have to go to Vot Tech now, if they beat Ohio State at home, and look, their defense is going to be loaded. Um, and, and, you know, they there's some still questions on offense, but they're intriguing to me. And then Oklahoma, look, I think the Big 12 is going to cannibalize itself. I think you agree. And the committee has seen what the Big 12 has done the last couple of years with some of these just blowouts, right? So even if there is an undefeated Big 12 versus an undefeated Pac-12, maybe Oregon, that's the intriguing one to me. We talked about it on the Stuck with Colin episode, grab 80 to 1. I talked about this with, with John Murray a couple months ago from Westgate. I said, look, Oregon 80 to 1 is intriguing because if we go to conference only, and this is before this is a thought, they're going to drop North Dakota State with Trey Lance, who's a potential top 10 pick at the quarterback, and Ohio State at home. And without fans at home. Um, so all of a sudden, Oregon now is a very favorable conference coach. And I think the clear class of that, of the Pac-12, Moorhead coming in as offensive coordinator, I think is going to be great. They obviously have to replace Herbert. That defense is loaded. It's an SEC defense. So I think Oregon around – I think you can, you can get 50 to 1 out there now. That's where I'm going. If I did believe that there was an expanded playoff – now, Brett makes me more cautious about this. I love UCF. So if I thought that there was a group of five, I would fire a small bullet on UCF, who I think is the most complete team in the AAC. Since he has the best D, Memphis probably has the best O. But is this UCF team, they lost three games by a total of seven points last year. They're loaded on offense. They have a really talented secondary and I think an underrated D. So that's kind of where I stand on the national title picture. Futures-wise, it's Penn State's intriguing. Oregon for sure, and I've invested in the Ducks a couple times. I and mean, I have a funny story after I'll get your thoughts on that. And uh, UCF, if I believe there's an expanded playoff, but now I'm starting to think there's not. So what are your kind of overall thoughts in lay of the land? 
Yeah, there was an article I put out back in March that said Oregon and Virginia Tech would be the biggest benefactors of a non-conference play slate. Oregon specifically has 81% of their returning starters on a defense that was top 25 in success rate last year. That's pretty good. Like you said, Stuck, SEC level. Uh, that's all Andy Avalos coming over from Boise State a year ago. He, you know, it didn't take them long to learn his scheme and, and to just put a vice grip on everybody in that conference. Now the offense is a little bit different. They're, they're obviously, you know, <laughs> their uh, returning production is 34%, the loss of Justin Herbert and plenty of other things from an offense. That, yeah, that, was, that O-line too. I mean, they got, the they got the, a stud, but the four of the other starters are gone. Yeah. And you, and you got to think that, you know, you know, Sewell might declare for the draft. He might not even play on this Oregon team, the more it gets delayed. So we don't know really what's going to go on with that offense or how Moorhead fits in right there. Uh, you know, and he's kind of going to be on his own redemption tour. Uh, but yeah, we're talking losing North Dakota State and Ohio State. But what's more important is if the conference schedule holds, this is one of the easiest Pac-12 road slates you could have. And now their season, they get to find their offensive identity to start off against Colorado. That's a lot better than a North Dakota State and a lot better than going up against Ohio State defense. So if there's an actionable one that you could lay off of this podcast, I'd say Oregon 50 to one or better. I would definitely shop around and I would 100% check the book rules on, you know, is this still an actionable ticket if things change like this, if things change like that. Yeah, national title futures should be action pretty much no matter what from the from the odds makers that I've talked to. Now, obviously that can change, but generally speaking, your national title futures, your championship futures are always going to be actioned. A lot of the other stuff, I mean, I would say to make playoff, as long as the playoff doesn't expand, would you know to win conference if conference stands, they probably would stand. Any win totals would be thrown out, but obviously always check with your book. And you obviously, hopefully it's multiple books. So yeah, I agree with you. And and the, yeah, Vatek, it's Vatek. There's something, look, they came on strong at the end of last year. Obviously they lose Bud Foster's defensive coordinator, but they, they really did. As soon, as soon as they hooked, they went to hooker quarterback. They really came on strong at the end of the year, but there's something going on with Vatek. Like they, these transfers that keep happening, mm-hmm. they had, did they, I think they had the worst recruiting class in the ACC this year, which is crazy. I, I don't know what, what the issue is there, but I, I can't I can't argue with, with the logic as if you're looking for a deeper flyer. Speaking of looking for a deeper flyer, so all this talk is coming out for conference-only futures last week. I'm texting you. I'm texting all these people in different states, and I'm saying, in legal states, I'm saying, what do you got? Tell me what you got on Oregon, just to seeing the best number that I can get to get more down. My friend in Indiana, he's like, I'm at work. I'll check in a second. He texts me back and he says, I got 500 to one. I say, 500 to one? Are you sure? And he said, yeah, 500 to one. I say, hit it, dude. Hit that for me. We can split it. I'll, I'll, I'll char- charge me on Apple Pay via text. Good. That, that's in. 10 minutes later, I, well, then I text you. I said, dude, I found a fucking rogue 500 to one on Oregon. And you were like, get the hell out of here or something. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, dude. I, my friend, within maybe five minutes, I end up texting you back because my friend texts me back and says, why the hell are we betting on Oregon State to win the national title? And I said, you got to be kidding me. No, I said, dude, no, Oregon. It didn't even cross my mind that he was looking at Oregon State, not Oregon. So it's my fault. I'm going to pay for the entire thing. So I have a 500 to 1 ticket on Oregon State. And that should be like 50,000 to 1. And my response to you was, that's a bad number. A 500 to 1, you're not getting, you're not getting true odds there. So I mean, I was dancing around my house. 500 to 1 on Oregon? Yeah. But it- no. To talk about Virginia Tech, they are actually have really long shot odds. They are 150 to one odds at DraftKings uh, for a team that has, 
a relatively easy path to get to the ACC championship. They, their home game against Miami, they have to go on the road to North Carolina. Uh, but, you know, we talk about what's going on with their transfers, but this is still a defense that ranked 18th in success rate last year. They returned 89% of their production. And the defensive coordinator that's taken over for Bud Foster was the secondary coach last year, and he was actually a former yeah. player at Virginia Tech. So there's not going to be any kind of scheme change going on. Yeah, he's a Foster guy. Yeah, so, I mean, it's 150 to 1. I'm going to wait out for Coastal Futures, but this is definitely a hedgeable ticket uh, on Virginia Tech. Uh, only just a couple games that should actually matter. And, that, and they, are, you know, they dodge Clemson on the slate, and I think that takes me into my next subject, which is the more we delay this season, the more I don't like Clemson. And, I mean, we're talking losing Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne to the draft, projected first round, both of them. Four seniors, four juniors on the defense could skip. Uh, Amari Rogers is a senior. He could skip and go to the NFL draft. And this is, that would make this easily the most depleted group of wide receivers in all of FBS. If Amari Rogers was to go missing. So, and Justin Ross has already hurt. Justin Ross is hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So I I mean, I, the more that this gets delayed, the more I want nothing to do with having any money on Clemson. Yeah. And I mean, if they, if at a conference only schedule, again, if they slip once, there's no chance in the ACC. Um, Mm -hmm that they're going to the college football playoff because they're going to, well, I mean, I guess they could still, they might still have Notre Dame and it depends. I mean, it all depends. Um, So yeah, we will, we'll leave it at that. Um, We're going to be back, you know, unless they cancel the college football season, once we have more scheduling information. So probably at the end of this month, you know, we'll go through every conference. We'll go through all the teams. We'll go through returning production, coaching changes, scheme changes, you know, who's most affected by, the COVID impacted preparation. Who's not? Um, we'll go through our win totals, what we make them. We're obviously going to have to run everything again with the revised schedules. Um, but yeah, we're going to go through all that. Um, I look forward to talking college football. Hopefully, we have the season. Appreciate y'all listening. Remember, NFL first season preview during the AFC. We'll be we'll recording this week as well. We have the fantasy, golf. Just uh, the podcast is going to be so busy, and everyone on it crushes. Make sure you have the action app. Go check out Fantasy Labs too, too if you haven't. Um, a lot of great tools there. I've even started to dabble in some some DFS. Um, pennies haven't had any success yet, but I'm starting to kind of dabble out of boredom. But um, thanks for joining me, Colin. Thanks again to Brett McMurphy. And uh, let's hope that we have college football. I know we probably won't have it on Labor Day, but a college football season. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you all later. Cheers. He's out. We're finished talking.